Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLA and FM streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com where we're also archived for your binge listening pleasure. And for you 21st century folks, we are now podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. It's all happening down here in the studios at WKXL. And we're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224 9111. Well, this week in political sports, it was. A fascinating week because we finally heard from the Oracle of D.C., the seer of Delphi, the prophet of doom for President Trump. We heard from Robert Mueller himself, the man behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz, who pulled back the curtain to speak to the public. And he spoke in measured hushed tones. He spoke in the careful words of a careful lawyer because Robert S. Mueller is a careful lawyer and he said some very, very interesting things. Now, let me take you back. Let me take you back just a couple of weeks ago when the attorney general, also known as the stooge puppet of President Trump, the attorney general of the United States, Mr. Barr, that that parsimonious, unctuous guy, liar-in-chief, apparently, went on the offensive about the Mueller report to do everything he could to distract, deny, defy, defeat, uh, dissuade, dissemble about the report, trying to make sure the public wasn't going to pay attention to the Mueller report and trying to give his president the cover to say, no collusion, no obstruction, no collusion, no obstruction. We've heard that over and over again because what these guys know is if you repeat a lie often enough, if you lie boldfacedly, if you lie shamelessly and keep on saying it, a large segment of the undereducated, underinformed American population will simply buy it because they're not going to read the Mueller report. They're not going to dig into the executive summaries. They're not going to look at the appendices of the thousands and thousands and thousands of pages that Attorney Mueller, Special Counsel Mueller, and his team spent two years putting together. The American public wants it easy, and Attorney General Barr tried to make it easy. But now we know some new things about the Mueller report and both the president and and Attorney General Barr. First of all, the attorney general and the president are liars. But that's not news. Nobody has to check in with off the record to, to know that that the president is a psychopathological liar. He can't help himself. And that the attorney general, who was his stooge, was appointed in order to lie for him. But Mr. Mueller made some things very, very clear. First of all, he clarified, if there was any doubt, that from the highest levels of the Russian government, uh, there was a plan and a plot which was carried out to interfere in our 
presidential election in 2016. Now, remember, why is it important to say that as if we didn't know that? Because all the intelligence agencies said it. We've been saying it for a long time. It's because the president basically denies it. He, 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 he never gives it any, any moment. We now know that when White House aides went to him to talk about a plan to protect elections, he said he didn't want to bother with it. He doesn't apparently care. He cares more about sucking up to Vladimir Putin than he does about protecting the American people and the integrity of our democracy. That's why it's important. And frankly, when Robert S. Mueller said it out loud, it seemed to give the fact that there was Russian interference in our election, the kind of gravity that may have been missed because that was the central feature uh, of his report. He then went on to talk about obstruction of justice. And we now know from the report, which, by the way, folks, I've read from that report that there were 11 instances in which uh, the president committed acts which could be uh, considered obstructive. Obstruction of justice uh, involves obstructing an ongoing investigation um, or the attempt to obstruct, impede uh, an investigation. It can include wit- witness tampering. It can include falsifying documents. It can include lying. It can uh, include lots of different things. But there's been apparently some doubt in the public's mind created by both the president and his stooge attorney general, Mr. Barr, about whether or not uh, there was obstruction. Remember, the president's cry is no obstruction, no collusion, no obstruction, no collusion. So let's agree that on the collusion, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, said there is insufficient evidence to conclude that members of the campaign for Trump or Trump conspired with the Russians. There was insufficient evidence. He didn't say there was no evidence. He said there was insufficient evidence. On the obstruction charge, he said something very interesting in his press conference. What he said was, if we had concluded that there was no criminal liability for the president for obstruction, we would have said so. And what's critical about the way Mueller phrased what he said at his press conference is the following. He told us two important things. Number one, he considered it not part of his job because it would have been unconstitutional and against Department of Justice policy to determine whether or not Criminal conduct had occurred, number one. Number two, he did not absolve the president. He specifically said that in his press conference. And clearly, in his remarks, he was simply throwing the investigation into obstruction of justice, criminal conduct by the president to the Congress of the United States for impeachment proceedings. That's the place it resides, and that's the place it needs to be. And he ended his press conference by saying, that the Russian interference was such that every American should be concerned and take note. On that note, my friends, here on Off the Record, I want to welcome a very special guest, not because uh, we are necessarily going to get deeply into the politics of things for the rest of the show. We're going to talk about something near and dear to me. We're going to talk about music. 
I want to welcome Mark McElroy to the microphone. Mark, welcome to Off the Record. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Thanks. I, I'm good. Now, folks, Mark McElroy is one of the most interesting, most extraordinary people I've ever had the pleasure to know. He is a renaissance man in so many ways. Among his credits are studio owner of the Electric Cave Recording Studios in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in the Button Factory, sound engineer for the Dance Hall Kittery and a remarkable live sound engineer, performing artist with his band Elroy. He writes and produces um, the music. Uh, visitor to Russia collector and um, sort of a manufacturing consultant for for audio equipment uh, made in Russia, driver of a vintage and uh, newer hot German cars, uh, <laughs> among other things, uh, seller of LPs and bits and parts uh, from uh, music collections, um, and just one of the most fun and interesting people I've ever had the pleasure to know. So, Mark, I'm really happy oh, to make me blush. have Thanks. you here. Well, you know, I, I like to say <laughs> nice, thing, nice. nice things about my guests. All but right. one of the things, since I've gone on for a bit about uh, the Mueller report and Russia and Russian interference into our mm -hmm. elections, um, you know, we're in this weird political time where it used to be that uh, that uh, patriots said, hey, that's an adversary. Russia, Russia's mm -hmm. our adversary, and they tried to interfere in our elections. They're, they're bad guys, and um, we got to make sure they don't interfere again. But now Russia has a long history, actually, of producing and manufacturing uh, professional audio equipment, microphones mm -hmm. and, and, other, mm -hmm. and, and other things. Yeah. And in this segment, I guess what I'd like to talk about is your connection to Russia. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I don't think you're a secret agent, so it's all cool. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you visited there and you visit there yeah. frequently. How did that come to, to pass and what do you do when you're there and what do you see when you're there? I'm going to try to give the short version. Uh, so I studied uh, Russian language in college. I studied uh, uh, European history with a specialization in Eastern Europe. And that gave me a, a history degree of which, with which I am a musician and recording engineer. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> But um, it gave me a – so I've been following Russia since the Soviet Union. There was a Soviet Union when I decided to uh, study Russian. And because um, they made – Russia forced all the Eastern European countries to learn Russian as well. And so if you could speak English and Russian, you could speak to anyone in Europe at all. So that's you know, Russian was a more important language at one time. Now it's becoming important again. For right. So that's sure. my Russian connection. I've been uh, – the first time I visited Russia was in 93, and I've been going back and forth uh, over the years for various reasons. And I do speak Russian, which is, a, which is handy for this discussion because I can listen and watch the news in Russian. And see exactly what they're thinking, saying, hearing, and I can watch the official news and the unofficial news, and so, wow. so I have a bunch of Russian insights that, that not a lot of people do. Share yeah. some of them. Share some of them. Well, uh, collusion, of course. Right. Um, <laughs> what do you mean, of yeah, course? <laughs> of course. Um, Wait, so, the president says no collusion, no collusion. All right. So you know, um, you know how, like, uh, especially under George W. Bush, everyone was talking about how important his daily briefings were. Right. Uh, Trump doesn't read the daily briefings, right. which is maybe a good thing because yeah. the daily briefings were used to manipulate the president under George W. Bush. That's what's happening under Vladimir Putin. Um, he has no contact with the outside world. He has no email. He does not use the internet. He only depends on the FSB reports to him daily. And in these reports, they kind of did this thing about 10 years ago, maybe more, where they really wanted to make a villain, so they chose the U.S. Department of State 
led by Hillary Clinton to be the the adversary for the, the Putin's greatest danger. So Putin was convinced when Clinton was running for president that that Clinton was the worst outcome for Russia. And so of course they supported Trump. Of course they did everything they could. Um, and uh, because Putin really thought under Hillary things would be worse. And for him, he in his 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 stature as the president of Russia even it was a worst case scenario. So there is no doubt that they did everything they could to to uh, to have an effect on this. But I do believe that they didn't expect Trump to win. They were shocked. And here's why I'll say that. Um, if you watch the Russian news at the time, they built Trump up as this character who was the man of the people who had no chance of winning because no one thought Trump had a chance of winning anyways. This man has no chance of winning because... Um, uh, but he's the man of the people. He's the one that people really want. They're going to elect Clinton because she's the, you know, she's the evil one. But they, the people really want Trump. And when Trump won, jaws were open for months after that. They didn't know how to handle the news narrative because they made him out to be a hero. And now he's going to be the president of the United States. So I really think that they, they themselves, it's like the dog that caught the car. You know, huh. the, the dogs will chase the car, yeah, but yeah. what happens when you catch the car? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and it just opened up all these problems because now they're unable to collude with Trump <laughs> and, and, and to the extent that they want to or he wants to. Right, right, right. So the Helsinki meeting and all that, it was just like, it was such a scandal that they have to keep their distance. Trump has to be, you know, the, 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 they, they actually, the end result isn't, is neither good for America nor Russia. Well, that's really, really Interesting. I got some inkling of that when, um, what can I say? I, I was uh, I was approached in my capacity as an attorney by some uh, folks whose business it is to create business connections between uh, Russians and America, mm -hmm. with uh, offices in post office boxes in Alexandria, Virginia, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I won't say anything more about what happened, uh, but um, I did have. Uh, a meeting um, with them and uh, along the way uh, learned some interesting in insight, at least from them, at least in terms of what they said. Uh, and it backs up what you say. My impression at the end of everything was that uh, Russia was not particularly happy about the way things had turned out. Uh, because uh, it had created a bad image for Russia. We're going to come yeah, back mm. and uh, continue this conversation and more with Mark McElroy, Renaissance music man, historian, and Russian expert. Uh, after good. this, we're not. brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join the tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. Don't go away. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLA and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where we're also archived for your binge listening pleasure. And for you 21st century folks, we are now podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. It's all happening down here in the studios at WKXLA. 
KXL, and we're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224 9111. Well, this week in political sports, it was. A fascinating week because we finally heard from the Oracle of D.C., the seer of Delphi, the prophet of doom for President Trump. We heard from Robert Mueller himself, the man behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz, who pulled back the curtain to speak to the public. And he spoke in measured hush tones. He spoke in the careful words of a careful lawyer because Robert S. Mueller is a careful lawyer. And he said some very, very interesting things. Now, let me take you back. Let me take you back just a couple of weeks ago when the attorney general, also known as the stooge puppet of President Trump, the attorney general of the United States, Mr. Barr, that that parsimonious, unctuous guy, liar-in-chief, apparently, went on the offensive about the Mueller report to do everything he could to distract, deny, defy, defeat, uh, dissuade, dissemble about the report, trying to make sure the public wasn't going to pay attention to the Mueller report and trying to give his president the cover to say, No collusion, no obstruction, no collusion, no obstruction. We've heard that over and over again because what these guys know is if you repeat a lie often enough, if you lie bold-facedly, if you lie shamelessly and keep on saying it, a large segment of the undereducated, underinformed American population will simply buy it because they're not going to read the Mueller report. They're not going to dig into the executive summaries. They're not going to look at the appendices of the thousands and thousands and thousands of pages that Attorney Mueller, Special Counsel Mueller, and his team spent two years putting together. The American public wants it easy, and Attorney General Barr tried to make it easy. But now we know some new things about the Mueller report and both the president and and Attorney General Barr. First of all, the attorney general and the president are liars. But that's not news. Nobody has to check in with off the record to, to know that that the president is a psychopathological liar. He can't help himself. And that the attorney general, who was his stooge, was appointed in order to lie for him. But Mr. Mueller made some things very, very clear. First of all, he clarified, if there was any doubt, that from the highest levels of the Russian government, uh, there was a plan and a plot which was carried out to interfere in our presidential election in 2016. Now, remember, why is it important to say that as if we didn't know that? Because all the intelligence agencies said it. We've been saying it for a long time. It's because the president basically denies it. He 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 never gives it any any moment. We now know that when White House aides went to him to talk about a plan to protect elections, he said he didn't want to bother with it. He doesn't apparently care. He cares more about sucking up to Vladimir Putin than he does about protecting the American people and the integrity of our democracy. 
That's why it's important. And frankly, when Robert S. Mueller said it out loud, it seemed to give the fact that there was Russian interference in our election, the kind of gravity that may have been missed, because that was the central feature uh, of his report. He then went on to talk about obstruction of justice. And we now know from the report, which, by the way, folks, I've read from that report that there were 11 instances in which uh, the president committed acts which could be uh, considered obstructive. Obstruction of justice uh, involves obstructing an ongoing investigation um, or the attempt to obstruct, impede uh, an investigation. It can include wit- witness tampering. It can include falsifying documents. It can include lying. It can uh, include lots of different things. But there's been apparently some doubt in the public's mind created by both the president and his stooge attorney general, Mr. Barr, about whether or not uh, there was obstruction. Remember, the president's cry is no obstruction, no collusion, no obstruction, no collusion. So let's agree that on the collusion, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, said there is insufficient evidence to conclude that members of the campaign for Trump or Trump conspired with the Russians. There was insufficient evidence. He didn't say there was no evidence. He said there was insufficient evidence. On the obstruction charge, he said something very interesting in his press conference. What he said was, if we had concluded that there was no criminal liability for the president for obstruction, we would have said so. And what's critical about the way Mueller phrased what he said at his press conference is the following. He told us two important things. Number one, he considered it not part of his job because it would have been unconstitutional and against Department of Justice policy to determine whether or not Criminal conduct had occurred, number one. Number two, he did not absolve the president. He specifically said that in his press conference. And clearly, in his remarks, he was simply throwing the investigation into obstruction of justice, criminal conduct by the president to the Congress of the United States for impeachment proceedings. That's the place it resides, and that's the place it needs to be. And he ended his press conference by saying, that the Russian interference was such that every American should be concerned and take note. On that note, my friends, here on Off the Record, I want to welcome a very special guest, not because uh, we are necessarily going to get deeply into the politics of things for the rest of the show. We're going to talk about something near and dear to me. We're going to talk about music. I want to welcome Mark McElroy to the microphone. Mark, welcome to Off the Record. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Thanks. Uh, I'm good. Now, folks, Mark McElroy is one of the most interesting, most extraordinary people I've ever had the pleasure to know. He is a renaissance man in so many ways. Among his credits are studio owner of the Electric Cave Recording Studios in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in the Button Factory, sound engineer for the Dance Hall Kittery and a remarkable live sound engineer, performing artist with his band Elroy. He writes and produces um, the music. Uh, visitor to Russia, collector mm-hmm. and um, sort of a manufacturing consultant for 
for audio equipment uh, made in Russia, driver of a vintage and uh, newer hot German cars, uh, <laughs> among other things, uh, seller of LPs and bits and parts uh, from uh, music collections, um, and just one of the most fun and interesting people I've ever had the pleasure to know. So, Mark, I'm really happy oh, to make me blush. have Thanks. you here. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I like to say <laughs> nice, thing, nice. nice things yeah. about my guests. All but right. one of the things, since I've gone on for a bit about uh, the Mueller report and Russia and Russian interference into our mm-hmm. elections. Um, you know, we're in this weird political time where it used to be that uh, that uh, patriots said, hey, that's an adversary. Russia, Russia's mm-hmm. our adversary, and they tried to interfere in our elections. They're, they're bad guys, and um, we got to make sure they don't interfere again. But now Russia has a long history, actually, of producing and manufacturing uh, professional audio equipment, microphones, oh, yeah. and, and other <laughs> and, and other things. Yeah. And in this segment, I guess what I'd like to talk about is your connection to Russia. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I don't think you're a secret agent, so it's all cool. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but you visited there, and you visit there yeah. frequently. How did that come to to pass? And what do you do when you're there? And what do you see when you're there? I'm going to try to give the short version. Uh, so I studied uh, Russian language in college. And I studied uh, e- uh, European history with a specialization in Eastern Europe. And that gave me a, a history degree of which, with which I am a musician and recording engineer. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> But um, it gave me a – so I've been following Russia since the Soviet Union. There was a Soviet Union when I decided to uh, study Russian. And because um, they made – Russia forced all the Eastern European countries to learn Russian as well. And so if you could speak English and Russian, you could speak to anyone in Europe at all. So that's you know, Russian was a more important language at one time. Now it's becoming important again. For right. So that's sure. my Russian connection. I've been uh, The first time I visited Russia was in 93, and I've been going back and forth uh, over the years for various reasons. And I do speak Russian, which is, a, which is handy for this discussion because I can listen and watch the news in Russian and see exactly what they're thinking, saying, hearing. And I can watch the official news and the unofficial news. And so wow. so I have a bunch of Russian insights that, that not a lot of people do. Share that. some of them. Share some of them. Well, uh, collusion, of course. Right? Um, <laughs> what do you mean, yeah, of course? <laughs> of course. Um, Wait, so, the president says no collusion, no collusion. All right, so you know um, you know how, like, uh, especially under George W. Bush, everyone was talking about how important his daily briefings were. Right. Uh, Trump doesn't read the daily briefings, right. which is maybe a good thing, because yeah. the daily briefings were used to manipulate the president under George W. Bush. That's what's happening under Vladimir Putin. Um, he has no contact with the outside world. He has no email. He does not use the Internet. He only depends on the FSB reports to him daily. And in these reports, they kind of did this thing about 10 years ago, maybe more, where they really wanted to make a villain. So they chose the U.S. Department of State, led by Hillary Clinton, to be the the adversary for Putin's greatest danger. So Putin was convinced when Clinton was running for president that that Clinton was the worst outcome for Russia. And so, of course, they supported Trump. Of course, they did everything they could. Um, And uh, because Putin really thought, under Hillary, things would be worse. And for him, he in his 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 stature as the president of Russia, even it was a worst case scenario. So there is no doubt that they did everything they could to to uh, to have an effect on this. But I do believe that they didn't expect Trump to win. They were shocked, and here's why I'll say that. 
Um, if you watch the Russian news at the time, they built Trump up as this character who was the man of the people who had no chance of winning because no one thought Trump had a chance of winning anyways. This man has no chance of winning because um, uh, but he's the man of the people. He's the one that people really want. They're going to elect Clinton because she's the, you know, she's the evil one. But they, the people really want Trump. And when Trump won, jaws were open for months after that. They didn't know how to handle the news narrative because they made him out to be a hero. And now he's going to be the president of the United States. So I really think that they they themselves, it's like the dog that caught the car. You know, the, huh. the dogs will chase the car, yeah, but yeah. what happens when you catch the car? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and it just opened up all these problems because now they're unable to collude with Trump <laughs> and, and, and to the extent that they want to or he wants to. Right, right, right. So that Helsinki meeting and all that, it was just like, it was such a scandal that they have to keep their distance. Trump has to be, you know, they, 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 they actually, the end result isn't, is neither good for America nor Russia. Well, that's really, really interesting. I got some inkling of that when, um, what can I say? I, I was uh, I was approached in my capacity as an attorney by some uh, folks whose business it is to create business connections between uh, Russians and America, mm -hmm. with uh, offices in post office boxes in Alexandria, Virginia, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I won't say anything more about what happened, uh, but um, I did have uh, a meeting um, with them and uh, along the way uh, learned some interesting in insight, at least from them, at least in terms of what they said, uh, and it backs up what you say. My impression at the end of everything was that uh, Russia was not particularly happy about the way things had turned out uh, because uh, it had created a bad image for Russia. We're going to come yeah, back and uh, continue this conversation and more with Mark McElroy, Renaissance music man, historian, and Russian expert. Uh, after good. this, Switch we're on. brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment, you can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. Don't go away. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Do this. back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL, AM and FM, streaming live over the internet. And we are at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. Well, we're back with Mark McElroy, Renaissance music man. Um, we've been talking about Russia and Russian equipment and audio mm -hmm. and making music and the influences uh, that Mark uh, has had on his life, his work, and his music. Um, so 
you've got this studio in uh, the Button Factory in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. And I gather that before you took it over, it was already a recording studio. That is true, yes. It's um, so in the, there. The studio had started, uh, was started by my friend um, uh, Jim Tierney, who is now retired from recording, but he's also an area musical legend. And so it's great that you mentioned that to give him some credit because um, – what he did was he just took a small inheritance and turned it into the studio rather than squandering on it. He, he actually made something. And he, he was a builder himself in his previous career, so he was able to do a lot of the interior you know, room design and stuff like that. So uh, Jim yeah, made, made that possible. And the re- real reason I, I – so I came into the studio and worked with him. And then uh, he, he eventually uh, ended up uh, retiring. And uh, so I run it, and uh, it's the reason I keep it going too, because it's such a wonderful thing that uh, that he built there. That I I just love keeping it going. So one of the things that I really appreciate when I walked into the studio, well, there's there's a bunch of things. First of all, I love recording studios. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm just I'm a gear slut. That's uh, I mean I, I I admit it. I'm I, I it's an obsession. It's an addiction. It's a it's a, uh, I, can't, I don't know whether it's a bad habit or a good habit, but I do love gear and I love recording. Um, and uh, I've had the opportunity in my time to record in big studios and basements and record mm-hmm. at home and record commercially. And one of the things that, that I felt, because, you know, music is a very emotional thing. It's you're you're opening yourself up. It's uh, as a performer and songwriter, you know that it's uh, it's uh, it's a very vulnerable thing. And when you're recording um, it, it's like you're taking yourself and your art and your work and putting it under a microscope because microphones pick up. All kinds of things that you don't even hear uh, until you hear it played back. (laughs) And so when you're recording, you want the place to feel comfortable and warm and like a happy place where you're going to do beautiful stuff. And one of the things that I experienced walking into your studio was this was like joy. I felt (laughs) like it was a place of joy. Um, And I felt that. Um, not because it's the fanciest studio I've ever been, but because it felt so comfortable and it felt down home. It felt kind of like you instantly walk in and it's like putting on your favorite pair of sneakers, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you, how did that happen? Because it, because it, 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 some, maybe it just happened, but maybe it's also a reflection of what you're after. Uh, in terms of yeah. making music, let's say we, we were talking about like how easy it is to record on a computer these days, and how the the technology is cheaper, and so um, so big studios used to be very expensive places, and now they're not. But the stu- what the studio has, the place of the studio in music, is the place where you go to do the thing. So all the gear is already there, but it ju- it just has to. It's literally, well, you know, figuratively, I should say, like a church. Right. Uh, it's the place you go to. You can pray at home, just as good. You know, whatever, whoever is listening to you, uh, in your opinion, is still listening to you. But when you go to the church, you get the feeling you, you're there with people who are like-minded. It's a community. It's a, um, and so that's what the, the importance of the studio is: the place where you go to do the artistic work that puts you in the mood and gets you um, fired up for it. For example, and so that's what. That's the place of the studio, because um, if it's a, also when you're talking about fancier studios, 
if it's a competition of who can write the biggest check or who can run up their credit cards the most to buy the most stuff, you'll never win that competition. So if you're making a studio to be a special place, the place where people want to come, it just has to have that vibe. And so some of it's self subconscious, but some of it is conscious. Like, yeah. yeah. One of the good things about your studio is it's a two level. Uh, it's a two-level yeah. <laughs> studio. That's it's really like cool. Abbey like, Road Studio yeah, One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the control yeah. room's upstairs, and you're looking down on all the musicians from your control yeah. room. Yeah, that's great. And it just worked out that way. That was the architecture of the building. But I, I went to see the space with Jim when he first went there, and we both just agreed the control room has to be up here. Yeah, and it has to look down into the studio. And, and, that would and, be, yeah. and folks, you know, the uh, I'm a big fan of the Beatles. That's kind of what got me into um, into music was listening to the Beatles in the 1960s, way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I mean, and I, I actually just for 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 giggles, I'll tell you, uh, without um, overdoing the name dropping, I I had occasion to meet both John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Uh, in my time, which uh, was uh, there's some I can't tell you about the meeting with John with John Lennon because I'd be arrested. So I can't I can't talk <laughs> about, I talk about that. But it was 1970. I was at a party in which Andy Warhol and all his group was there, and John Lennon and Yoko walked in, and John had just moved to New York. Uh, after uh, leaving the Beatles, essentially, and uh, he was at this party, and uh, we we spent an evening together. Wow, that's, that's that was just, pretty cool. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> the the Beatles recorded at Abbey Road, and when you see pictures of Abbey Road, they had the exact same setup that you have that, with a yeah, control yeah. room upstairs. Yeah, yeah, and probably for them that worked out, you know, because their other so that's Studio One, and their other studios there had. Uh, had you know on one level, but Studio One had that two level thing. Maybe for them it was a coincidence. Like, just put this, yeah. So let's listen to another tune. Uh, I want to make sure we get another tune in before we run out of time. We're going to listen right. uh, to a rocker called "Take the Blame" from Mark McElroy's uh, record under the band named Elroy. The record is "Shine." Elroy is going to be appearing, playing. Um, taking, taking, taking it to the people at the dance hall in Kittery, Foreside, Maine, this Saturday, June 1, 8 p.m. It's a don't-miss experience because Elroy is a hot band. Tell us a little bit about this tune, Take the Blame. Um, let's see. It's also a, it's, it's, it's a rocker kind of in the 70s style. Um, is, you know has that influence, has horns. Um, it has. Um, let's see. What else should we say about it? Um, it's also a. Um, it's a. It's a kind of like. A, it's part of the, the self help. I, I have a friend who's into all this kind of. You know, trying to heal himself and and, and so uh, the the catchphrases I can um, that so I took out of his experience is um, I can take the blame, but I can't put it back where it came. <laughs> so that's that's also a. Um, uh, part of you know, part of the idea of shine as well is there's an optimism to the lyrics, even the sad songs have an optimism to them. That's why I came up with the idea of shine. You know, cool. And so that song is is about blame, obviously, and the kind of thing. But it, there's an optimistic twist to it. And uh, you're singing on it. Yeah, I sing, I play guitar and organ probably on that one, uh-huh. and maybe piano and clavinet. I, I do a lot of the overdub instruments. So we have a, another guitarist in the band, a, a bass player and a drummer. 
And then I end up having to do a bunch of stuff. And this also has Yana Blender, the, the Russian uh, pop star, singing backing vocals on it. So, How um, cool is yeah, that? It is pretty So good. this is a Russian-American, American-Russian uh, co-production. Yeah, yeah. It is a little collaboration. And some of these songs were uh, written in Russia, actually, too. I, I get in a songwriting mood when I'm over there because uh, my life changes. And when you have big changes and you're somewhere speaking a different language, you express yourself a little more artistically sometimes. How cool you know? is that? So here is... Uh, take the blame. Uh, the band is Elroy, uh, the producer, author, composer, singer, um, mixer, and masterer is Mark McElroy. We've been talking to off the record. Shine. Let's hear it now. Whoa, dude! That was take the blame. That's quite a that's quite a tune. Thank you. That's really something, man. Oh man, we are talking uh, with Mark McElroy, music renaissance man. Uh, the proprietor of the Electric Cave Studios, where that tune, Take the Blame, was recorded with his band Elroy. Mark uh, and Elroy will be at the Dance Hall in Kittery, Maine, this Saturday, June 1, at 8 p.m. They are going to rock uh, the southern coast of Maine, uh, rock it hard uh, with their band. The Dance Hall is a great place to, to listen to music. It's an old Grange Hall. I've played there with my band Calamity Jane. I've played there with my trio, with my uh, fabulous wife Pego and Kent Allen, uh, who who lives over there. Uh, Mark and Mark uh, is actually the sound engineer, the main sound engineer at the dance hall, who uh, is able to make everybody sound mm-hmm. really good. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's being a, being a recording mixer. When I'm mixing the live sound, I'm mixing it like a record. I really want it to sound. Uh, yeah. Well, I, can, I mean, I can tell you from on stage at the yeah. dance hall, when you mm-hmm. were mixing our band, we could hear like we'd never heard before, and the people were responding like they'd never responded before, and I attribute that a lot, not to us, but to, <laughs> oh, to the, mm-hmm. the mix that you were able to to produce, because mm-hmm. what a lot of people, you know, and you go to a club and you hear stuff, and it's often really hard to listen to because it'll be distorted and not balanced out. When you've got a pro like you working the board, uh, it makes a whole lot of difference. Would you like to hear the secret? What's the secret? I'll tell you the secret. With live engineers try to make everything the same level so you can hear everything. And recording engineers know to make everything 3D. Some things have to be quieter for some things to be louder. The vocal is what everyone connects to. It's got to be right up front and it's got to be the loudest thing. And you got to push those guitars back a little bit. Bring them out for the solos and push it, you know. So it is, uh, it's really different mixing for a record and, and what live recording engineers often do are, too, uh, are, are different. So that's why when I say I, I kind of mix like a recording engineer, that's what gives it that sound. Man, oh man. Yeah. So we've been talking with Mark McElroy, the proprietor of the Electric Cave Studio, live sound mixer, recording engineer, mix guy, master guy, musician, performer, uh, keyboards, guitars, songwriter, Russian visitor, Russian expert, uh, importer of uh, incredible equipment from Russia. I have one of his reverb pedals that he brought back and sold at Gary's Guitars. He's Mm -hmm. recently taken over Gary's Guitars in Mm -hmm. Portsmouth, which is one of the best music stores in 
uh, New Hampshire, a great place to go for, for whatever you need. Mark, thanks so much for visiting with us. Oh, thank you. This is great. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM, streaming live over the Internet, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Now, folks, we'll be back to wrap up, so don't go away. Uh, We'll be right back after this short message. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL. And we are streamed live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where we are archived for your binge listening pleasure. We're a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We've had a great show brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join the tour. Celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. Well, what a great time I had as your host of Off the Record today. I did a little rant about Mr. Mueller and his report, the report wherein he said, if we had found no criminal behavior from the president, we would have said so. He's basically giving us the roadmap for Congress to begin the impeachment proceedings that I think we need to have in order to preserve the foundations of our democracy. Because if the dishonest, lying crook and grifter in the White House isn't brought to justice, isn't held accountable, I believe that we're in trouble as a democracy and we can't play politics with it. Do, held, holding this president accountable in my view, is more important than the political fallout. And we had a great conversation with Mark McElroy, Renaissance music man from the Seacoast. His band Elroy is playing this Saturday, June 1, at the Dance Hall in Kittery, Maine. He's got a new LP and CD out called Shine. We heard a couple of tunes and had a fascinating conversation because Mark and I are kind of kindred spirits about music and music gear and making music. So it was a joyful conversation here at WKXLAM and FM, streamed live at nhtalkradio.com. Binge listen to your heart's content and listen to us as a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks so much to my sponsor, The Birches of Concord. Thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hodes.